Welcome to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast, where each week we simplify the complexities of your leadership journey. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. We have a great show in store for you today. So whether you are listening to this podcast or you are watching us on YouTube, we encourage you to download the show notes and follow along if you can. My name is Amber Jordan, and I am here with Dr. Michael David Morales, a.k.a. Mo. Mo, how's it going today? Hey, what's going on, Amber? I'm doing well. I'm ready for your story as always. Let's do it. Okay. Well, hey, you know, a few weeks ago was Thanksgiving and somehow my family developed a tradition where every Thanksgiving after we've done with dinner and we've cleaned, you know, all the dishes, we sit down and watch Talladega Nights. (laughs) All right. It's not the richest of traditions, but it's our tradition. And um, I, I love that movie. Super funny. You know, NASCAR, Will Ferrell, great movie. But I was thinking about it today when we're going over the show notes and what we're going to be talking about today, because there's this part in the movie, you know, uh, Ricky Bobby and his friend Cal Naughton Jr. They're on the same on the same NASCAR team they're on the same race team. But, you know, Ricky Bobby always comes in first and Cal's always number two because they figured out this whole slingshot move. Right. So, you know, Cal, you know, Cal's up in these lead car and he's letting Ricky kind of draft off of him and he slings shots and he wins and it's just kind of their thing. This is how their team wins is Ricky gets number one and Cal gets number two. Well, you know, part of part of the way through the movie, Cal's like, you know, hey, you know, it, it'd be really great if sometime like, you know, I just thought maybe I could try. I could slingshot off of you and, and maybe I could win one. And, and Ricky Bobby's like, well, yeah, that'd be great. But then I couldn't win. And he's like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Never mind. It was a bad idea. Well, you know, it's funny to laugh at. And, you know, I think Ricky understood, hey, we're we're a team. But he didn't understand that sometimes when when you are a team, you've got to let other people realize their greatness, too. And so today, that's what we're going to be talking about. We've titled this episode, Leaders Inspire Greatness. So I know you have three actions for us today. So why don't you tell us what is it that leaders need to do to inspire greatness. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, I love that movie. Um, I'm so glad that's uh, a family tradition for you. I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, well, the, the first point today is this. Uh, leaders, you need to define greatness. And I would say that sometimes that's pretty difficult, right? I mean, Ricky Bobby found it. Man, I, well, if, if I let you win, then I can't win, right? Well, that's not what leadership's about, right? So we're talking about leadership today, and we're talking about you know what it means to make your team great. And so actually... What we need to do is understand that within your organization, you have to be a driver of culture, meaning, you know, there's there's bad habits and good habits and everything in between. But you're you're one of the you're one of the game changers. You're one of the ones who has to inspire the good things to do. So I know it's difficult on the front end, but actually, you know, the the sooner you do this, the better you're going to get because you're going to define that culture. You're going to define greatness as part of that culture. And then you're really going to, you know, be in business as a leader. So at your place of work, the question is, what's that culture? What are the things that you do that need to change? What is your, your team? What does your company do that, that needs to change? What works well? Because if you want to change something, you have to be the one to start that change, right? And so with everything in, in your company, 
you obviously need to know I'm not going to change it all at, all at once, right? In, in one fell swoop. But if you wanted to change your culture to the core, how would you strategically do that? Meaning, you know, would you have what it takes to to start from the very beginning and say, I'm going to define the culture here so that greatness can be a part of that and I'm going to inspire that for my people. So I would say this. So the best thing to do is is have have a plan of action of where you're going to go. As the great Yogi Berra of uh, the old school New York Yankees once said, he said, if you don't know where you're going, you're probably already there, right? <laughs> and so I don't know about you, but I, I, I want to be somebody who understands direction and I want to be able to define direction for my team. I want to be able to do it. I want to be able to do it well. And especially, I want to give people the opportunity to lead within the organization and grab onto the, to, to the vision and, and not just have it be my vision, but have it be a vision of the entire team. So yes, I'm always going to point the team towards where they need to be, but I also be the one. I also want to be the one that helps them to show them this is where we can go, and we're going to get there. Okay, so you're talking about culture and direction, but help me understand what what does that practically have to do with inspiring greatness, or or more so defining greatness? Yeah, whether you have one person on your team, five people, hundred, whatever, you need to be able to define what it means for the team to succeed. Right. So what does it mean for your team to succeed? What does success look like? If you don't know, ask your team. They'll they'll probably have a a pretty good idea. Right. Because they need to feel like they're on their way to success. And there's no shame in bringing those people in because Lord knows, you know, I'm only good at a couple of things. You're only good at a couple of things. The the people that are on your team, you need to tap in to what they do well. And so when you inspire them to do that and and to live within their strengths, they're going to help be a part of that. So just ask them. But the real question is, what does it take for you to be a better leader, right? I mean, if you bring people alongside of you, it's, it's really going to help you hit those goals quicker. Trust me. And so what are the goals that you're trying to hit in your company? Are you trying to do way too much? Because in your little piece of the world, as I like to say, you can move mountains, but you can only move mountains if you do it with the people around you. You have to do it together. So you have to define what that looks like. You have to define that greatness and only you and your team can figure out what that means. Well, Mo, what do you say to the people who are like, well, somebody else defines greatness or defines the direction. Like I, I just do what the company tells me to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, if, if somebody's loyal to the company, that that's always great. Right. But if they're saying it to be lazy, which a lot, of, I think that's kind of what you are alluding to. Sometimes we can just get lazy and say, well, you know, I'm just going to do whatever the, the company wants me to do. I try to get rid of that thinking on my team. I say, you know, we want to do good things here and we want to, we want to, the, the rest of the company might not be doing things exactly the way, you know, they should be, but we're going to do things excellent. We're going to live in greatness because I'm the leader. I'm the one who defines that and helps them step up and go into the right direction. And so when, when you, when you're courageous enough to do that and say, we want to do great things and I want you to do great things with me and let's do great things together. And you're willing to mess it all up. People are going to begin to follow you. Trust me. Victor Kim once said this, even if you fall on your face, you're still moving forward. <laughs> so make the choice to, today to move forward at all costs. Your team is counting on you, on you to move forward. Be willing to fall on your face. Be willing to look dumb. Do it all in the name of leadership for your team. And my guess is you, you're not going to bring disgrace to your team, but what you're really going to do is you're going to inspire them to do what they need to do to achieve greatness. And once you define that greatness for your team, that's the foundation that you got to build on. Okay. So the first action we as leaders need to take, if we want to inspire greatness is to define greatness. What's the second action? The second action for today is this leaders 
offer greatness. And the tough part about leadership or one of the tough parts about leadership, if you're in a position of authority, is you're probably pretty good at what you do. That's why you were put in a position of leadership. And although that's a good thing, <laughs> sometimes it can work against you. And the reason is this. When you're a leader, it's not your job to be in the spotlight. Your days of being in the spotlight are over. You got to give others a chance to be in the spotlight. You have to help them do their very best. And so never think that you have to be the hero in the story. I always tell people that when problems arise in your company, you don't want the one to be the one where everybody looks at you and says, what do we do? We're in this jam. How do you get us out? I don't want that at all. What, what I want is for, for my people to, to bring these problems to me and say, Mo, here's a problem. Here's some solutions. What do you think? Let's move forward and do this. Man, I love when people do that. In fact, Kevin, who's one of my mentors, who we uh, I've mentioned a ton on this podcast, and I will continue to, he never took credit for anything. He, he would wait for somebody to bring a problem and say, well, what do you think we should do? And I always love that question. He made sure that when something was going well, he pointed to wh whoever was doing the work, got the credit. And then when something, a problem arose and, and somebody would fix it, he'd say, there was a problem and I'm so glad that so-and-so stood up because she did a great job and she needs to have the credit. So do you do that as a leader? I know it's difficult, but you need to give that credit away and you need to give people that, that recognition, right? I mean, we all like recognition, right? <laughs> so it sounds like you're saying when you say offer greatness, you're really kind of saying get out of the way and let somebody else discover greatness. Am I, am I understanding that correctly? That is absolutely right. Get, I love that. Get out of the way. The, the greatest assets in your company are not the huge machines or the widgets that you sell or whatever. It's the people. And they're the assets, those people on your team, they're the ones that have the control to do great things if you give them that control. Otherwise, like you said, they're just gonna say, well, I'm just gonna do whatever the company tells me to. That doesn't inspire greatness, right? I want my people to say, give me the reins, get out of my way, let me do this, and I just wanna get out, and I wanna, I wanna wave the red flag and say, go for it, right? <laughs> your people are on your team for a reason. And so I tell people all the time, chances are that you know, you're, you're not part of the hiring process at work. So take the people that are given to you and make them great. I don't care who they give me. If I give, if I have somebody who, who, who says, man, Mo, I want to be great, that's all I need. I will help put them in the sweet spot. I will make sure that when the team is assembled and I have others on my team, that I'm going to make sure that they are the army that I need. Uh, Donald Rumsfeld uh, said this at, at the beginning of uh, the war about 20 years ago or more. He said, you know what? You go to war with the army that you have, not the army that you might want or that you wish that you might have at a later time. <laughs> and so isn't that where we're always at? I mean, you, we've all said at one time or another, man, I wish I had this for my team or I wish I had that. I wish I had bigger machines or more widgets or, or more people or I need an assistant or whatever. Forget about all that. You have an army and your army, you and your army, those are the ones that are, that are going to have success. If you inspire that, if you offer that greatness and say, hey, it's time to be great. It's time for us to step up and do our job. And it's, it's your job to offer those people the ability to experience greatness, both for themselves and the rest of the team. Yeah. And even if they might mess it up, because, right, like we have to kind of go through those until we get to the point where, OK, now we figured it out and now they can work independently. And so we have to be willing to kind of go th through that, maybe yep. the rough patch before we get to the greatness. Always a rough patch. Be ready for the rough patches. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so number one, we define greatness. Number two, we offer greatness. What is the third action we take? 
Yeah, this is definitely the most important part of this process, right? There's parts to every process. <laughs> Shocking, right? And it doesn't matter how good you get or, or get your team to be. If you can't pass on greatness, then you're never going to be anything more than a good performer or even a great performer. Meaning once you leave your team, ultimately you're going to leave the company. Are, is your team better? And are they going to be better without you? They should be. That's what passing on greatness is, right? We first, we, 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 we offer it, but that's different than passing it on. Passing it on means when I'm gone, they're going to continue to be great. In fact, John Maxwell defines this as what he calls the law of the legacy. And Amber, in his book, it's the 21st law of 21, it's, it's 21, of, of, of 21 laws. It's the last one. That's it. There's, there's no more after that. That's it. The legacy is, man, I'm out of here. I'm done. This is what, I, what, what I've done. And John Maxwell says that a leader's lasting value is measured by succession. And so the opening question for this point is, if you're the leader of a company right now, what grade would you give yourself based on this metric? Would you give yourself an A, B, C, D, F? And it's probably pretty humbling, actually, if you think about it. Man, what grade would I have right now? If I were to leave right now, where would my team be? Would they be better for having known me? Because yeah, it, how, it, it, how, yeah go ahead. How, how do you realistically measure that, though? Like, how do you measure your legacy and your succession while you're still there? Yeah, that's great. It, it, well, I'd first do this. Stop believing your own press, right? When you when you think you're doing great things, just say, I, I need to continue to work more and more. And I would say, Amber, you always know what, what one of my favorite quotes, if not my favorite quote is, hard work wins, right? Keep working harder knowing that you need to, con when you, you'll know when people start telling you, gosh, you've really turned this team around. Then you're going to say, yeah, I, I really am turning this team around. Amber, you, you've experienced that. And I said, don't believe the press. Now, now it's time to work harder. It's not time to say, whew. I've really put the time in. No, it's time to say, now keep my head my, my head down, nose to the grindstone and do it. Because when we get a big head, that's when it's going to go south, right? Every time we do something at our place of work, you know, we need to be thinking, is this adding to my ultimate succession when I leave? Because you might leave at any time. You don't know. Your company might fire you. You might get, get, get a different opportunity. Um, I, I don't know. And you don't know either. In fact, um, Benjamin Franklin says this, and he's one of our founding fathers. And, uh, at the, at, at the, the inception of, of this great country, he said this, our new constitution is now established. Everything seems to have promise and that it's going to be durable, but in this world, there's nothing certain except for death and taxes. <laughs> and so, so your success isn't, I mean, is it durable? It could be, but you got to work hard and you always have to, to give more and you got to be able to celebrate successes. And we've talked about all that kind of stuff. But you, you don't, don't believe the press. Say, I'm going to work hard. And, and, and to make my point, um, I, I, I really want you to understand, you know, who is going to succeed you and your leadership? Are, are they going to be able to, to bring something in and say, man, the last leader, man, when Amber left, it's easy. Now I just have to, to add a couple things here and there. But man, this is, this is good. That's when you know that you've done a good job. But just to make my point even clearer, uh, I, I want to share one of my favorite stories of leadership. And when I say one of my one of my favorite stories, I'm talking about like my favorite story on leadership of all time. And I mean, I've you know me, Amber, I've got a lot of a lot of books, a lot of stories. But Simon Sinek, in his book Leaders Eat Last, tells a great story. And 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 here's 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 that story. And I want to read it for you. It says, I heard a story about a former undersecretary who gave a speech at a large conference. He took his place on stage and began talking, sharing his prepared remarks with the audience. He paused and took a sip of coffee from a styrofoam cup that he'd been given on, uh, on stage with him. He took another sip and he looked down at the cup and he smiled. You know, he said, interrupting his own speech, last year, I spoke at this very conference. I presented here on this same stage. But last year, I was the undersecretary. 
I flew here in business class. When I landed, there was someone waiting for me at the airport to take, to take me to my hotel. When I got to the hotel, there was somebody else waiting for me. They had already checked me into the hotel, so all I had to do was take my key and go up to my room. The next morning, when I came down, again, there was somebody else waiting for me in the lobby to drive me down to the venue to where I'm at today. I was taken in the back entrance, shown the green room, and handed a cup of coffee in this beautiful ceramic cup. But this year, as I stand before you here and speak to you, I'm no longer the undersecretary, he continued. I flew here on coach class, and when I arrived at the airport yesterday, there was no one there to meet me. So I took a taxi to the hotel. And when I got there, I checked myself in and I went by myself to my room. Nobody escorted me up with my bags. This morning, I came down to the lobby and I caught another taxi to come here. I came in the front door this time and I found my way to the backstage. Once there, I asked one of the techs if there was any coffee. He pointed to a coffee machine on a table against the wall. So I walked over and I poured myself a cup of coffee into this here styrofoam cup. And he raised the cup up to show the audience. It occurs to me, he continued, the ceramic cup they gave me last year, it was never meant for me. It was meant for the position I held. I deserve the styrofoam cup. This is the most important lesson I can impart to all of you, he offered. All the perks, all the benefits and advantages that you may get from your rank or the position that you hold, they're not meant for you. They're meant for the role you fill. And when you leave your role, which eventually you will, they will give you the ceramic cup or they, I'm sorry, they will give the ceramic cup to the person who replaces you because you only ever deserved the styrofoam cup. And man, let me tell you, if, (laughs) isn't that a great story? If, if that story doesn't tell you what leadership is all about, I don't know what else, what else I can say, because my hope is that you understand and you are humble enough to know that. you're not a great leader because of the things that you do. You're a great leader because of the people that are around you, the things that they do. And hopefully when you leave one day, somebody else is going to be given the ceramic cup because you and I, we really only, we only ever really deserve that styrofoam cup. So if you lead with that kind of humility and realize that you're on loan to your company and that you're eventually going to move on, then your, your people are going to be better for having had you at the helm and I want my people to always remember, man, Mo really worked hard for us and, and he really didn't, didn't think too much of himself and he really wanted me to be better. And I really, I want that for, for all of our, our leaders out there. Are you passing, are you ready to pass on the baton when you need to? Or are you holding on to it and saying, I need to be important? Because I would hope it's the former that you would say, I want my people to be better. Well, we are almost out of time for this episode. So just to recap, Mo, to be leaders that inspire greatness, we need to, number one, define greatness. Number two, offer greatness. And number three, pass on greatness. So before we go, do you have any final words for us today? I do. And when we talk about greatness here at Rising Tide, we're never talking about the greatness of one person. We're talking about the greatness of the team. And, and I want the team to be great. And I hope that you're always looking to make your team great. And the best part about that is, and, and I'm probably an optimist on this, but, but you have to have a team um, that, that's going to want to succeed with you. And, and, and everybody on your team needs to understand that, that you understand their greatness that's inside of them. And a lot of people that, that I've worked with before, I've had to help them understand, man, you're great. You're good at these things. And let me help you Pull that greatness out of you. So this week, leaders, I hope you do that. 
look at your people and instead of wondering, you know, why they're not doing this great or that great, or you're annoyed at this person for this, or this person always screws this up, or this person's always late or does this wrong or whatever, forget all that. Think to yourself, what do I need to do to change in my own life to, to pull greatness out, out of the, the people on my team? Because it's not that they're, they're bad team members. It means that you're not doing your job as a leader. So do your job as a leader and pull the greatness out of them. Give them the tools and, 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 and the willingness to want to be better. And trust me, it's going to make you a better leader and it's going to make them better for the company. And it's going to, it's going to take your leadership to new heights. Well, thanks, Mo. That brings us to the end of another episode. Thank you, everybody, for joining us once again. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for listening to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. Highlights and resource links are available for you in the show notes. We hope that you will join us next week as we continue on the leadership journey. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out and share with others so they don't miss out. See you next week.